let's take this time and, and pray for those prayer requests that uh, Brother Glenn talked about. Um, just breaks my heart. You think about that, <laughs> dealing with uh, something that someone's 27 years old. How many kids did Brother Glenn say? Three. Three children. That's got to be a trial. It's got to be a hardship. I can't imagine. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 35 here soon. I can't imagine having cancer and dealing with it at that age. I can't imagine any age, but especially when you have young kids. I uh, can't imagine what the spouse is going through, <clears throat> especially something like that. But as we know that God works in trials, he works in tribulations. He does give us um, a way of escape. And thankfully, you know, I'm not in that situation, but we're going to talk about this today. This idea of bearing each other's burdens, having a love for the brother. So let's start with a word of prayer and let's stand together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful today that you've given us a, an opportunity, Lord, not to walk aimlessly about in this world, but instead we have a, uh, an, an advocate, Lord. And Lord, I am so thankful for Christ and what he did on the cross and that he gave us an opportunity, Lord, uh, to have inheritance. And Lord, I just pray now for this Pastor Holmes, Lord. It just breaks my heart. Lord, I think of people that go through these trials and tribulations God, there is a bigger point that you're trying to make, and there is something special that's going to come out of it. But, Lord, I pray that your hand of mercy would be upon that family. Lord, I just pray that you just please, uh, whatever the situation is, whatever you're trying to show or, or help, Lord, I pray during this trial and tribulation, Lord, that you'd just help these people to accept your will and whatever it may be. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd have mercy upon the wife, mercy on the kids. Lord, I pray that uh, you would just uh, please help in that situation. Lord, I know that you have uh, many times, Lord, given people uh, trials and tribulations, Lord, so that uh, they might gain patience with your will and your word. I pray, Lord Jesus, you'd also be with this Jacob Martin. I pray, Lord, as he's struggling to get through school because of some of his seizures. I pray, Lord, that you would heal him if it be your will. Lord, I pray that your hand of mercy would be upon him and his, his folks. And Lord, I pray that you just have grace upon us, Lord, as we continue to remember to pray for these people. Lord, I think of our own church, Lord. I think of Miss Diane, Lord, and her trial and tribulation. I pray, Lord, that you just bless her. Lord, I pray that you'd continue to give her the strength she needs, Lord, to be uh, the faithful wife, faithful mother, Lord, that she needs. And Lord, most importantly, the faithful Christian. Lord, I just pray that you just bless this church, God. I pray that you'd, uh, your hand of mercy would be upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13, you can sit down. Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to talk about the conversation of the Christian. I was uh, mentioned earlier, I put this post on Facebook of uh, my daughters, and I explained to my Sunday school class this morning, I had all three of them, I have this bookshelf that I got from Ikea, and it's uh, the bottom shelf used to be full of books, and I don't know why my wife decided to do this, but she decided she was. Did you take the books out? She took. They did. Okay, so okay, so they they took the books out, and the bottom shelf, the little girls were all sitting there, just as cute as you can get, and I just oh man, my my heart melted. I went and took a picture of it, and I put a little caption underneath it, and it says let sisterly love continue. Uh, and I think, to be quite honest with you, our idea of a brotherly love or sisterly love, for that matter, should continue. 
But I think most importantly, the thing for our church now is the conversation of our church. You mean, what are you, what are you talking about, Brother Harold? I'm talking about this idea of our life, our life work, how we act, how we react, what the idea of how we should be with other Christians, and not just with other Christians, but the people in this world. I was talking to my wife on the way to church this morning. I said, you know, it's interesting. The world likes, the far left likes to portray uh, this, this uh, nation as completely unsympathetic to anything of Christianity. I believe, though, there's a lot more people out there that are sympathetic. Now they're not saved. Now they're not living for Christ. But they know it's the truth. They know it's right. And uh, they know that there's some things that are just completely right. I mean, you take, for example, this idea of the homosexual lifestyle. You take this example of uh, living with someone that's not your wife. You, take the, you can take a multitude of examples. I remember sitting down with a guy at work one time, and I said, hey, uh, he was talking, to, he was living with his girlfriend, and uh, of course, uh, the, working at a car dealership, um, they, are, uh, they are sometimes, the, uh, like the Bible says, uh, lewd fellows of the baser sort. Uh, they are definitely just not the sweetest people you'll ever meet. And uh, I, I remember sitting down, and they would brag about their uh, escapades. And I, and I just couldn't understand it. You know, of course, I would have to, hey, you know, I don't want to hear that. I really don't want to hear that. I'd tell them, hey, you guys need to you know, talk about something different. But one time I had a one-on-one conversation with one of those salesmen. I sat down with them and I says, you know, you know there's something right. And this idea of something right and there's an idea of something wrong. And I says, you understand that if you live with your girlfriend, you know that your life, you could have, essentially, you could have a child out of wedlock. I said, do you think it would be better for that child to have uh, two mo- a mom and dad that's married or a mom and dad that's unmarried? And he says, well, mom and dad that's married. I said, then why are you living with your girlfriend? I don't know. I put that idea of the morals in front of him, and he had to agree with me. Why? Because in- it's intrinsic to everyone. They have a conscience. Who put that conscience there? God did. And I told him, I says, listen, you can go ahead and you can act like this is not uh, important to you. You can act like this is not something that's necessary. But let me tell you something. When you stand before a holy and a just God, there's no excuse. And I think in the same sense, us as Christians, our conversations should speak loud and clear. Hebrews chapter 13, and we're going to read the whole chapter, uh, actually till 19, I'm sorry. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 1, it says, let brotherly love continue. This is kind of what gave me this idea after I posted that on Facebook. I'm like, there is a verse that says that, right? So I looked it up and I started reading more. I was like, oh, this is good. Let brotherly love continue. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. And them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all. And the bed undefiled but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you. Who have spoken unto you the word of of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. 
Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they might no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought unto the sanctuary by high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, hearing his reproach. For For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually that is in the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must, must to give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for this is unprofitable for you. Pray for us. For we trust we have a good conscience, and all things willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I might be restored to you the sooner. So we're going to talk about the conversation of the Christian. And first of all, I'm going to talk about love of the brother. Love of the brother. I talked about this morning in Sunday school, this idea that we sometimes are always against love. Ah, the world, they take that love and they try to twist it. To their advantage. They try to twist it to an ungodly, immoral lifestyle. But let me tell you something. Love, I saw this quote today, and I'm going to I'm quote it in Sunday school. I'll quote it again. Love is to give. Lust is to get. I'll quote it again. Love is to give. Lust is to get. So many times we get wrapped up in this idea is what can they do for me? You, know, you think about your brother or sister in Christ. And you think about who they are. And I gave this illustration. I had Danny come up here and I says, hey, how you doing? Good to see you this week. Now, I was friendly. I was kind. I was sweet. But did I really know anything about Danny? Did I ask how Danny's week was? Did I try to be involved in Danny's life? Or is he just somebody I see on Sunday? Is he like an employee at work that you just see through the week? And then when you come home, you have a different lifestyle. When you really love the brethren, you're expected to give something. I'm not saying it has to be monetary. I'm not saying it even has to be uh, something of a material possession. What I'm talking about is a simple prayer. Asking God to work in the lives of your fellow brother and sister in Christ. You really love your brethren. Let me tell you something. A conversation of a mature Christian is someone that shows true love for their brethren. True love for their sister. How many times have you taken uh, uh, time out of your week, time out of your prayer life, and says, God, please help this brother or sister in Christ. Please help them overcome this sin. Please help them over, uh, uh, deal with their studies if they're in school. Please help them find a job if they're looking for work. Please help them with this sickness. It sometimes seems that when we really love our brother is when something drastic happens, Right? Or should we be willing to pray for them day in, day out? remember hearing an illustration of a, a man that had a bus route. 
And uh, it was, he'd run 400, 500 kids on multiple buses. Never happened again. But I remember hearing the story, what the man used to do. He would spend an evening, and he would get on that bus, and he would take over time, and he would, he would, he would go to each seat, and he would pray for each of those kids. Week after week. That's dedication. That's a desire that says, I love these kids and I'm going to spend time thinking about them and praying about them and spending time with them. We're talking about moving on in Garfield Ridge Baptist Church. We're going to try to, this summer, do some more outreach, do some more uh, activities outside the four walls of this church. We're going to do some door knocking. We're going to do some uh, handing out of literature. What's going to make you do that? You can muster it up for other reasons. You can muster up this idea that you can go out and uh, you can hand out tracts and you can knock on doors for just a short time. But if you really have the love of Christ that's supposed to be in you, guess what? You're going to love the brethren and you're going to love those people around you that are dying and going to hell. Your conversation is going to match that of what Jesus Christ wants you to have. It's going to match up with God's word. You're going to say, man, I tell you what, I'm going to live for Jesus Christ because I love Jesus Christ. We look at the verse, Christ, we love Christ because he what? First loved us and gave himself for us. Man, I tell you what, he already gave his part. And what are we doing for him today? What time are we taking and saying, you know what? Praise God, I'm going to live for him today. Oh, it's cold outside. I don't expect people to be out knocking on doors. Did that one time, remember with Brother Lewis, Courtney? We used to go door knocking and oh, freezing cold. <laughs> Courtney, he'd be out there, we'd be knocking on doors. Oh man, it was freezing. Nobody wanted to stay at the door. Let me tell you something. Winter is only six months out of the year. Sometimes it's seven. And listen to me, the cold's going to go away. What are you going to do with the months that God has given you? What are we going to do as Garfield Ridge Baptist Church? Are we going to stay complacent with this attitude that, hey, it don't matter. I don't have to go out there and reach other people for Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something. If you have the true love, as it says here, love the brethren, you're going to have love just not for the brethren, but you're going to have love for others. Your conversation is going to be totally different. Let's go on. Probably should turn to the text that I'm in instead of using my iPad. Hebrews chapter 13. Brother Oscar, if I'm going too fast, just raise your hand and I will slow down. It says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, and thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body secondly not only should we love the brethren but we should be also what hospitable hospitable what should your conversation say about you boy i tell you what that miss juanita man she serves up a mean dish of tacos right i've had some of miss juanita she's she's still i, I tell you what she cooks some spicy st- oh it's not that bad mr hog i'll take one bite Woo! give me some water give me some milk but tell you what should our attitude be, hey, I'm, 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 I'm reaching out to people. I don't care who they are. I'm hospitable. What do people say about you at work? What do they 
say about you at work? You walk in the door, man. Oh, there it goes all grumpy. Man, I'm not saying you should walk around with a smile on your face all the time, but it should be a, a disposition of someone that has love, someone that has pure joy. Why? Because you're a Christian. Look like it. Live like it. Act like it. God has something special in store for you today, and you're excited about what he's got in store. Right? Oh, we walk around. And tell you what, my boss, he's, just, he's a narcissist. Tell you what, I've had enough of him. Uh-oh, I see some smiles back there. Does that mean that's true? Oh, man. Tell you what, one thing after another he makes me do. What if you had a sweet attitude every time one of your bosses came to you and gave you the ugliest chore? I guarantee it. I guarantee it. He'd be like, boy, that guy is one of the nicest guys you ever meet. He might even, he might even favor you. Why? Because of your sweet spirit. But no, we'd rather live in the flesh, right? We'd rather not have the conversation of the Christian. And so we have the conversation of our flesh. Hey, it's all about me, right? That's all that matters, right? It's about me. I had a boss one time. He worked at Pizza Hut. Oh, sorry, he's in here. Just kidding. Brother Ralphie, I think about him. I worked with him for a little bit, right, brother? We had some good times, didn't we? There was times when it got a little bit hairy. But to tell you what, it was good. And I hope that my reflection of my Christian life showed off to brother, brother Ralphie. I'm sure there was a few times it didn't. But you know what? Our attitude should be one of what? We are reflecting who? Jesus Christ. It says, it says here in verse 2, it says, For, Be not forgetful to what? Entertain who? Strangers. You mean I got to be friendly to people I don't even know? What am I going to get out of that? I think God is very clear here. What? You're not living for yourself. Who are you living for? You're living for Christ. It doesn't matter what your boss says. It doesn't matter. Uh Uh-oh. What your husband says. Amen, honey. It doesn't matter. What is your purpose? What is your plan? Is it to serve self? No, it's to serve Jesus Christ. Your conversation, what? Reflects Jesus Christ. Your husband comes home. What's the first thing you do? My wife was talking about this today. She had some great plans. She was telling me about a story of a man that had, or a woman that had been learning that her husband wanted something very simple. And one of those things was to come home Take his shoes off and read a newspaper all by himself. Don't bother. Now, you say that to the average feminist today. What? That's not going to happen? I'm in charge of this household. Right? I'm not going to listen to him. He needs to get up and work for me. But this wife, what would she do? She was being the helpmate. She thought that Christ wanted her to be. Take his shoes, put them away, get him a newspaper, maybe a cup of coffee. All's good. Now you say, wow, what made that wife do that? Never do that for my husband. Maybe it's the attitude that she had. She's not serving her husband. Who is she serving? Christ. She was using her conversation, her attitude, her livelihood, and say, hey, look, 
I don't care what my husband does. I know what Christ wants me to do. Right? Amen? I better hear an amen. Come on, Brother Alfie. Give me an amen. Amen. I'm surprised, Brother Juan. Where's he at? Uh, where is Brother Juan? Is he downstairs? I thought I'd hear an amen from him. Miss Patty? Where's she at? She's downstairs too. Oh, man. I'm going to have to give him the tape. All right? Amen. All right. I'll move on. I know. It's, it's just too juicy. I can't get enough of it. All right. Let's move on. In verse 3, remember them. And I have quite a bit of points, so I do have to move on. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Mm. We have trials here, don't we? It should be, uh, you should have a little bit of a, a telepathy in your attitude towards your Christian. You know, if they're going through pain, they're part of your body. What are you talking about, Brother Harold? This is sci-fi, isn't it? No. They're the body of Christ. If one part of, the, uh, part of the body suffers, guess what also is going to suffer? The whole body, right? If I cut off my arm, what's going to happen? Ah! Right? I'm going to fill it through the rest of my body. I'm not even going to shock. Why? Because part of my body hurts. You as a Christian, my friend, when somebody else suffers in your body of Christ, let me tell you something. You miss somebody at church week after week after week? It should be, man, it just just hurts. Your love just becomes something that's just unbounding. You miss somebody at church, it shouldn't be the only person that wants to talk to that person and ask why you're missing church is the pastor. It should be say, hey, where you been, brother, sister? What's going on? I've been having this going on and this. Let me help you out there. It should be that your desire should be to help people that are going through a trial or a tribulation. It goes back to, I mean, this all lines up. Love their brethren. Hospitable. Burying each other's burdens. Move on. i, I got to keep track of time here. Four. Content with God's supplications. Content with God's supplications. In verse... Uh, Verse 5, actually, I'm not skipping number 4. We'll get to it. Let your conversation be without what? Covetousness. And be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We are in a materialistic world. I don't think I have to mention that. Just go down 8094 and you will find... Billboard. Go down 55, you'll find billboard after billboard of advertisements of things that you can get, things that you can buy, things that you can have. Let me ask you this question. How many times do we buy things or get things just because we're not content? Contention or being content is important. The Bible says in whatever state I am, therewith to be what? Content. Think of Miss Diane, what she's going through. I think it would hard, be hard to be content going through cancer. Think of this Holmes guy. I think it would be hard. I, I think, to be quite honest with you, I, I, if I had cancer, I would not want to have cancer, right? But the Bible is very clear here. Whatever state I am, therewith to be content. This is where God's put me. This is where God's placed me. i got to be content with it until he changes it. 
many husbands, and I'm going to go back to this, in verse 4, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. What is the main problem with a man that slips off and goes out and has an immoral relationship with someone that's not his wife? He's covetous. He's looking for something outside of his marriage, and he should be looking and saying, hey, this is what God's given me. I need to be happy with it. Spouses, brothers and sisters, right? Man, I can't believe I got dealt these parents. This is who God gave you. Be happy with it. Man, I I can't believe I have my spouse. I'll tell you what, my wife, she's, I, I tell this story a lot, but. It's true. She's a very unemotional person. I'm, I'm probably more the emotional person than she is. We'd probably watch some sappy movie and I'd sit there. <laughs> wife would be like, are you done yet? <laughs> really? I tell this story on her <clears throat> when we were dating. I, uh, she, lives, she lived in, uh, down in the hills in Missouri. Missouri. And uh, I would take a trip there, and I had, well, the way I worked, on Monday mornings, I would have Sunday and Monday off. And, no, I guess this is another time. This is Christmas break, I'm sorry. And I just, oh, you know how that is, right, Brother Alfie? You're just in love, right? Amen? And I had to go down and see her. Special girl in my life, I couldn't wait. I drove six hours, got lost, and had to drive an hour out of my way. Driving through the cornfields of Illinois. finally got there and I thought you know I didn't I think her mom told her but even then she didn't even try to act it up for me I come in and I says hey honey oh hi I just drove seven hours out of my way to come see you and you can say hi <laughs> nothing but you know what she is who God gave me now she does all kinds of things that I, I, I'm just amazed. You know my wife. She's, everybody knows she's Miss Organization. Okay? If I didn't have a woman like that, I'll tell you what. I'd be a mess. Praise God. Amen? Amen, Brother Alfie? You would be nothing without your wife, right? <laughs> Woo! Preach it. That's good preaching. But you know what? God gives us things that we need to be content with. If we take those things and say, God... I know that you've given this to me for a reason. I guarantee your attitude will improve about that situation. You, how many's been to the car show yet this week? Nobody? I'm the only one. Don't go. It wasn't worth it. I'll tell you what. It's very easy to become discontent with your car. Amen? Man, you go to the car. You see the shine, right? The chrome. The chrome rims, Right? I'm a car person through and through. I love cars. I love, uh, I, I take pictures of cars. I used to take pictures of cars all the time. Uh, now it's not my job anymore. But I love cars. And it's very easy. Oh my goodness, you see that Mustang? Oh, did you see? And now me, the bad thing is I have so many kids that I can't really have a lot of choices. So I have to go out. It's either the 12-passenger van or the 15-passenger van. Okay. <laughs> But you know what? It's the same thing. Even in the 12 passenger. Oh, should I get? Oh, look at that new transit connect. Ooh, that's nice. What does God want me to have? Hey, I'm going to be happy with that E350 out there. Amen? I should be happy with it. 
It's running. It's driving. Think about my dad. My dad has been a great example when it comes to cars. You know him. You look at that car he's driving. He'll, I'm telling you, he has this old Camry that he's literally had since um, before I was dating my wife. I mean, he's had, and I've been married for 10 years. And so it's been almost, what, 13, 14 years he's had that car. It keeps on falling apart. You know what he does? He fixes it. Dad, you really need, windows don't roll down. The air conditioning doesn't work. Talking about a warm car in the summertime. But you know what? He's content. He's content. This is where God's put me. I wish that we would all have the attitude of being content. Let's go on. This verse says a lot for the conversation of the Christian. Fifthly, respectful of authority. Respectful of authority. I think it interesting if you read here in verse 7, it says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversations. Verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give an account. They must do it with joy, not with grief, for that is unprofitable unto you. I think it's interesting that God mentioned it twice in this passage. How many ever had this happen? As you're a kid or as a child, as a parent or a child, you're trying to get your kid's attention, okay? And I've done this. Brooklyn. She didn't hear me. Brooklyn! Right? I said it twice. Second time, I said it a little louder, didn't I? Really defined it, didn't I? Brooklyn is... She's me. She really is. She's a knucklehead. And I have to get her attention. Sometimes I don't just say it once. I might give her instruction twice. Look at me. Look, look, look at me. Do not do this. Did, did you hear me? Do not do this. And she turns around and does it. And I have to deal with it. I said, I just told you twice, Brooklyn. Why weren't you listening? I think God's doing the same thing here. He says, hey, listen, remember them that have the rule over you. God did not put, wives, didn't put your husband, just some abstract guy in your place. He knew that was who you needed. Your pastor, kids, your mom and dad. Listen to this, folks, men, your boss. You mean that narcissistic guy that I got to deal with every day of the week? Yeah. Yeah, that guy too. Obey them that have the rule over you. Most people would never do this. But I work with my brother. I work for a company uh, that does web hosting. And I have to, sometimes, my brother, he, i got to turn off the mics now so he can't hear this now. He is, he's sometimes can be very pig-headed about things. No. Yeah. And I have to learn to say, okay. Everything inside me is saying, tell him, shut up! And I have to say, smile and say, okay. Why? Because that's what Christ wants me to do. Many times, I have to humble myself and say, okay, this is what God wants me to do. Respectful to authority, not for a couple reasons. Number one, it says in verse, uh, 
verse, says, submit, verse 17, submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they give account that they may do it with joy. Why should you submit to the person? Listen to me. It's much easier for someone that has submitted to you and they have a sweet spirit and they have a great attitude to want to work with them. Listen to me. Sometimes pastor, I'm sure he has to deal with this. He's, he's trying to help someone. He's trying to help someone, trying to help someone. And all they do is just completely screw it up. He's told them the way that they can take. But yet what happens? That person, no, I'm in charge. I don't know what I'm doing. Who is he? He's just pastor. Hey, it is a free country. But God's word, God's man, God's messenger. Do you don't think those have three have something in common? God gives the man a message and he preaches it. God gives a man an ability to be able to lead. And you say, yeah, I'm not going to listen to him. It's just like going to the doctor, you know. And he's been to the doctor, and, you, and the doctor says, this is your problem. This is what you need to do to take care of it. And uh, so we go, we go home, and then he gives us some pills, and we say, nah, uh, forget about the pills. Nah, I think I'll do my own thing, right? And we wonder why we get sick. We wonder why, oh, I don't feel so good. It starts with what? A respect of authority. You know God gives us authority. You're right? right? You know he gave us the government? You mean he gave us Barack Obama? Did you know that? He did. He gave us the government. He gave us our senators. He gave us our House of Representatives. Why? Because he, he sanctioned it. Read Romans 12 if you want to. And you know what? The reasons they they legislate and they put things over top of people, guess what? It's because there's a lot of sinners. I was telling my dad today, I says, you know, the reason why there's so much regulation, there's, or yesterday, I'm sorry, regulation and legislation is because people are corrupt. When you take Jesus Christ out of the situation, listen, they have to regulate and regulate and regulate. If you put Jesus Christ back in, the way a good republic will work is that people self-govern themselves. But when people quit governing themselves and they don't have the Holy Spirit dealing with their lives, guess what eventually happens? Crime. Problems. God's rule always works. I got two more points. I got a few more minutes. Sixthly, don't be sidelined from doing God's will. It says in verse uh, verse twelve. Wherefore Jesus, I'm sorry. Oh, verse nine. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is good thing that the heart be established with grace and not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. All right? Divers. Someone give me a wild guess of what divers means. My wife's down here. Oh, I'll save you for later. Stephanie, what do you think divers means? Oscar, don't help her. You don't know? Miss Cynthia. What's that? Varies, okay? Divers, all right, different. 
different ways, diverse. Thank you. Is this idea that, uh, you know, we get so carried about with, uh, you know, I remember in college we had a bunch of knucklehead theologians. Uh, and they really thought they were something. But, you know, you talk to them about, you know, just doing the basics. You know, being a faithful Christian. I noticed that some of the guys that were the, were the, uh, uh, the class theologians were the same guys that are not living for God right now. Oh, they might know a lot about the Bible, but they become sidelined to the things that God wants them to do. We get so concentrated if Adam and Eve have belly buttons. Uh, ask, ask me about it later. I'll tell you about it, okay? We get so sidelined by the fact uh, that there is different accounts in the Gospels. We get sidelined by the fact, hey, this is what's going on with the Jehovah Witnesses. I'm not saying there's anything wrong about studying cults. I think it's important. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. Workmen needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But let me tell you something, folks. When we concentrate so much on those things and not try to do the things that edify the body of Christ and change the conversation of your life, it's worthless. We had a a Charity Suffereth Long banquet. And I brought us to uh, the love chapter. And I talked about this idea of charity. And it says, if you don't have charity, you have nothing else. Listen to me. If you can't do the things out of love for Jesus Christ, you can't do anything at all. Your life is completely filled with your life and not with what Christ wants. Our attitude should be one that says, I know what God wants me to do and nothing's going to change that. If God tells you to move to Timbuktu, praise God, I'm going to do it and be a missionary. If God tells you, praise the Lord, that you need to be out on the streets every week, no matter if it's zero degrees outside, praise God, I'm going to do it. Why? We're instead too bothered about all the, uh, the disparaging differences in doctrine and theology. Listen to me. Our goal should be what Christ's goal is. The Bible says that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. What is our attitude? Last. Last but not least. It says in verse 12, Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go, therefore, unto him without the camp. Bearing what? His reproach. For we have... For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifice, God is well pleased. You want to please God today, listen to me. Be thankful, but sing praise to his name. How many times have you thanked God... I, I, I get into this rut too. You get proud, right? Man, look at me. Oh, look what I did. Oh. Right? I'm a very special guy. I, I did this, I do this, I do this. Who gave you that wisdom? Who gave you that understanding? Did not Jesus Christ, when he saved you? Without him, you're nothing. You're worthless. 
take a little time and say, God, thank you for giving me my brain. Thank you for giving me the attitude. Thank you for giving me the ability to be able to do your will. Because I know I'm nothing but a sinner saved by your grace. Sing his praises. A mature Christian who's going to have the conversation with Christ, they're going to say, I know what God wants me to do, and I'm going to ask God to help me do it, and I'm going to praise God when he helps me do it. goes back to this idea of covetousness. I guarantee you that if we have an attitude of, uh, of a person that's not covetous, guess what? We're going to be singing God's praises on a continual basis because we realize that God is the one that helps us through the trial. God is the one that helps us through the temptation. God is the one that's going to help us to live by faith. Why do you think there's such a problem today in the fundamental movement with men praise, man praise? Because people are too much looking to themselves instead of looking to the creator of the universe. Too many men have stood up and said, look at me! And instead of saying, look at God. Let's prioritize what God has given us and say, praise God, I'm going to live by faith today. I'm going to do his will and I'm going to be basic to the conversation of Christ. That's what a mature Christian will be. I told my wife sometimes as Christians we get sidelined by some of the ideas out there. Oh, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. Sometimes we just forget there's a very simple path to take. We take that path, it just becomes very clear, very easy. Got some young people in here. Danny, what, you 18? 17? 18 years old? Okay, that's right, his is in March. Coming soon, you're going to have to, mom's going to say, right? He's not going to live in the basement, right, Miss Cynthia? Right? Kick him out of the house. Fly on your own, buddy. You're going to have to make some decisions, aren't you? Right, Alex? A little bit further off. Stephanie's already soon. No, she's staying in the house forever. Right, Steph? Lewis? Right? You told me an empowered youth, right? You told me, what did you tell me? I'm the, almost the oldest one in the youth group. Hmm. Danny's out the corner. It's coming. Listen to me. You have to say, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And it shouldn't be that when it comes to those time for those huge decisions, such as what you're going to do with your life or who you're going to marry, it should be as simple as pie. Why? It's one step after another. Hey, God told me to do this. Okay. God told me to do this. Okay. God told me to do this, okay. And before long, guess what? That decision that's going to be, oh, oh, who am I going to marry? What am I going to do with the rest of my life? It's just going to be another step in God's will. I remember Bill Rice III said this very funny thing. I heard him preach one time. He says, we, we make a big deal out of the will of God. And he says, you know, sometimes you tell people, oh, you need to be this in order to do the will of God. What is the will of God for me today? And he used to say, brush your teeth. Brush your teeth. How is that the will of God? Well, I don't think you should have nasty breath. Right? God wants you to be what? Clean? Brush your teeth. Really? 
And I'm just using a very simple, he used a very simple idea there is, it's just the basic day-to-day thing that you're doing every day, day in, day out, day in, day out. But you're following God the entire time. And those big things that come up in your life, it's no longer going to be a big thing. It's going to be something that you know God wants you to do. So you do it. It's very basic. Some of us, those big things that are going to come in our life are still going to be big things because you know why? Because we haven't been following God all along. The basic things that God has given us to do, it's not been done. Remember some advice that my father gave me when I was younger. He told me, he says, son, you need to write down those things that God's already told you to do. And when you get them done, cross them off. And then you'll find what God wants you to do now. Because until you come to the place where God has left you, you'll never come to those places of those huge decisions. It's important to be faithful with your conversation all your life. Let's close the word of prayer. Let's stand together. If you need to make a decision, you can come forward. You can sit at your seats. Anywhere you can make the altar of Christ. Do that today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just...